0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff and management.
1: Welcome to In Discussion and our first roundtable of the series. Our guests today, Asta Morgan, George Meridian, Jim Hayes and Randall Libero. Join me to discuss the future of entertainment. Welcome today to In Discussion. On our first roundtable program of the series, I'm delighted to be joined by guest Asta Morgan, commercial photographer from Los Angeles. George Meridian, Emmy-nominated cinema photographer, working as DP on the Jim Belushi's According to Jim television series, among a long line of credits in television and feature projects. Jim Hayes of The Edge 3D, a company designed for producers of concerts, live-action features and special events. And finally, Randall Libero, executive producer of the David Gibbons Programming and my co-host of the upcoming series, Visionary Entertainment. Welcome, uh, gentlemen. How are you all today?
2: Great, great,
1: thank you. I should wish everybody a happy Christmas as well. Same to you. And I uh, we'll wish
2: you a merry Christmas then.
1: Merry thank you. Christmas. Well, thank you very much. And to all our listeners as well. And happy holidays. And uh, just so our listeners have a, a good picture, um, Randall and myself are in the studio. Aston Morgan is sitting in his comfy chair at home. Um, and uh George is uh roaming around a park somewhere in Los Angeles keeping an eye on his kids. Is that a is that a good picture, gentlemen, for today? Yes.
2: Yeah. Looks like I'm the only one at work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, what I'd like to start off with is is uh everybody here uh are seasoned professionals in the entertainment industry. And uh I'd really like to start a discussion about uh, um Avatar and the the 3D paradigm, and see how everybody is sitting with that, and how that excites everybody with uh, within the sector that they immediately work. Maybe I should start with uh, with yourself, George, as a cinema ph- photographer on Jim Balushi's show. Um, what is your connection to 3D? How do you see it uh, becoming a different paradigm in the future?
3: I would love to have done uh, the. A 3D episode, uh, on Jim's show. We, uh, weren't able to, uh, sort of figure it out or make it work with, uh, having four cameras that record sort of the teleplay. But I'm very excited about it. And, um, I can't wait for the day when you, when you won't need glasses to watch it. But I haven't seen Avatar yet and I'm, uh, I can't wait. But I'm, I'm all behind. The 3D experience, and uh, again, I can't wait until it uh, moves into the television world, um, which I think is very soon.
1: Well, Jim, g- given uh, your experience in 3D, do you think there'll ever be a time when we will not need glasses?
2: Uh, there may be a time. I think uh, we'll be more on the holographic uh, display mode at that point, is my um, bold prediction, but. Uh, Uh, I I think glasses will get better. I think we're going to have glasses that work for 3D that we own, as opposed to throwaway glasses that we get uh, when we go to see a movie. So I think the experience of wearing the glasses will become more and more comfortable. I think the people that watch Avatar will be uh, probably asking themselves, why did I have to take off the glasses instead of "Why why do I need to put on the glasses?
4: Well, one of the things that I noticed about um, watching Avatar is that the glasses, people are probably familiar with the old style, which is the red in one eye and green in in the other eye. And these are uh, like regular sunglasses. As a matter of fact, they can actually double as regular sunglasses. So when you say people owning a pair, you can actually walk into a movie theater from outside in the sunlight and see your 3D movie. That's the great advantage of uh, the way this technology exists now.
2: Right, they're based upon polarization. So you have uh, one eye that's uh, has a polarization for for real D theaters, polarization clockwise, and the other one counterclockwise, and then the systems are based upon uh, people wearing those glasses. So
1: is the, uh, yeah, uh, it uh, it
2: is a much more comfortable experience.
1: Are those glasses Jim out of uh, out of interest? Are they the same glasses that one would use in a in a concert? Uh, something like U two is that a similar similar uh, product?
2: Um, there's basically you mean in terms of watching U two three D on yes in a theater yes. Uh, there's basically three uh, companies now that are have, that are kind of the leaders um, in. Uh, 3D projection in the theaters the, the largest one is Real D and those are the ones you're used to seeing and, and they use what I mentioned was is reverse polarized glasses uh, Dolby is also in there their glasses are a little bit different they're based upon uh, something called color notching and um, uh, you have also have IMAX 3D digital now uh, which is, is based upon a polarized model as well um, which aren't exactly as, like sunglasses but they're very close to them um, and then you have some IMAX 3D, uh, film, film projection, which, uh, the glasses are a little bit different as well. So, um, there are some variations, but yeah, none of them are what, what are called anaglyph, uh, which are, are, different color combinations. Uh, you have, um, uh, earlier this year, uh, for the Super Bowl, if you watch Monsters vs. Aliens and were able to get the glasses, those were actually, uh, magenta and yellow. So you have a number of combinations out there, but uh, you compromise the color of the original image when uh, when you display it in anaglyph. So, um, not really anyone in in really working in the three D arena today isn't a big fan of that technology.
1: Well, I suppose it's going to lead to a completely uh, new fashion statement, isn't it? All these glasses mm-hmm. we'll we'll be uh, wearing so. wearing, <laughs> wearing them all day long, <laughs> sleeping with them.
2: Uh, I, I right, it's going to like be you wanted. know like with a lot of technologies. Uh, used to ask uh, do you have a fax now we ask, ask then we ask what was your fax number and then do you have an email what what is your email uh... follow me on twitter you know things like that that progress um, right now you know for the next year or two years you'll say or that can those glasses do 3d as well and then you ask um, you mean you actually have glasses that can't see 3d <laughs> but that's my hope <laughs>
1: What about you, George? Uh, in in your business, uh, I'm, I'm sure that you would like to get more involved in 3D. I'm sure that you you probably will now, given that it could become the, the standard. How do you right. s- How do you see it uh, moving forward in the in the television arena?
3: I I would embrace it all the way through. Um, I've been to some symposiums recently, and uh, we've seen uh, some uh, sporting events. That's probably an obvious place where it would be starting. Uh, I saw a NASCAR race that was pretty incredible, uh, putting you right in the middle of it. I think uh, there was some basketball. They may have uh, broadcast a Lakers game. But I I had a question that's sort of self-interested for me. Um, uh, As a cinematographer, I sort of have one super eye. I basically call myself a cyclops, and one of my eyes is is very weak, but uh, Looking through the eyepiece, I do, I need one, but I've never been able to see like real three D at movies. I'm trying to squint one and, and the other. I don't know if there's a solution for that. If both your eyes are not equally the same, one, is, one of mine is one is uh, vastly weaker than the other.
1: Well, I I think that uh, Specsavers are going to uh, put on a special price for that, George. That w- we'll be able to go into <laughs> Specsavers in a couple of weeks, and they'll take care of that. <laughs>
2: Well, well, what you want to do in some, some of the glasses in the, some of the 3D theaters, uh, for instance, the IMAX uh, digital 3D theaters, you should be able to fit your prescription lenses underneath those glasses for now.
4: Yes, that's correct. So you
2: want to have that compensation happen before you get to those glasses. And, and then, of course, like some people do with sunglasses, now, uh, hopefully in the not-too-distant future, you'll be able to have prescription 3D glasses that will also be prescribed. Your prescription sunglasses as well. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, when we saw the um, the movie last Thursday, we went to the IMAX theater in Glendale here, and the glasses are actually kind of wrap around your face. And I wear glasses, so I mean they fit really comfortably over my regular glasses. So, and and the 3D experience was terrific.
1: Well, I guess that raises the question for you, Astor, as a photographer. How how are you going to start photographing people with these glasses on? Is that going to uh, raise all sorts of nasty reflections that you're going to spend copious hours uh, leaning over Photoshop to I guess take we'll care have of? to get
5: the, the non-glare 3D glasses uh, that, that exist now. Um, well, we don't, we, d- glasses.
1: we don't want to make your job easy, Astor. No. Exactly. Make it well, as hard as
5: Actually, in this conversation, one of the things that I, I was, um, something that just came to mind, um, is how the, how the photo industry is changing and how you know, photographers are starting to shoot video and, and looking at the, at the labs that we used to frequent. Um, something that came to mind, actually, the, the lab that, I, that I, I still use for digital services um, and my film services, because I, I still shoot film every once in a while, um, is A&I in Hollywood. And A&I actually offers one of the, the new products that they've started offering is actually 3D lenticular prints which um, actually is, is probably, could very well be some ways of, of advertising these 3D films. I'm not sure how, um, I know that I've, I've seen the, the, the posters on, on bus stops and stuff like that, that's actually, if I'm not mistaken, are actually these lenticular prints where they actually take an image and through their, through their programming, and it's actually, I don't know, for, for lack of a better way of describing it, it's kind of like a Photoshop program where they go in and they create a 3D-affected image with this um, with this lenticular film across the front
1: is that uh, telling me, Asta, that you'd like to become a filmmaker rather than a photographer? <laughs>
5: <laughs> I say that the the future for photography is you better have your finger in some, some sort of the film industry or at least know how to know how to work some of these cameras. Um, I don't think stills are, are going to go away. I think that there'll still be used for stills. I think that they're, you know art is still going to be art. I think that images will still be images there'll still be a need for them um but definitely definitely the horizon is uh is changing very very rapidly
2: There are some I think there's one or two consumer 3D still cameras out there I don't have one personally yet but um uh probably a matter of time before that moves up uh mm-hmm. to the professional area as well so Yeah, I think what that
5: is is actually a camera. It shoots like four, I think it has four lenses, and it basically shoots at, uh, I believe it shoots at different depths of field, and then it combines those four images together to basically create what I think this uh, lenticular printing might be.
4: I can see great. Yeah, I can see um um advertising jumping on this big time. Imagine imagine that you're in New York City and you see a bus go by and it's got a 3D ad on it. I think this is going to cause accidents <laughs> in the streets. People looking at these images.
5: <laughs> especially the uh, the moving billboards. I mean all of that that's that's definitely around the corner with the uh, the 3D technology, especially whenever it gets to the point where you don't need the glasses. Uh which I'm sure is technology that that uh That is being worked on right now um Mm -hmm. so as soon as those those moving billboards become 3d yeah then the next step is on the side of a bus
1: well uh, and then and then they'll design them design them that they'll actually move and then become holographic i mean it's it's all going to get extremely (laughs) scary isn't it I, i i i do have a question for you gentlemen um jim to start with yourself sir Uh, There's obviously uh, a lot of education for professionals in using this new 3D equipment. Um, I, 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 a grip is a grip, I suppose, but uh, there's a, a, a lot more education and I, I guess for uh, somebody moving into 3D. Uh, creating a pool of uh, new talent, new experienced individuals, is going to be somewhat of a, a challenge. How, how would that? Uh, how would that work if uh, you were taking this into television, into into George's world? Uh, mm. w- what are the implications with that, and, and the time it would take to? Transform that that pool of uh, talent right now into the three D paradigm.
2: Well, I think there's a challenge in general with that, both in uh, in the feature world and in the TV world. I think we've uh, I've actually had some discussions with some uh, some uh, TV shows about three D, and the, the, the challenge there, and it's just not happening yet, is there. There isn't really a, a delivery system that's good. The only possible one right now is anaglyph. Because of uh, what's in people's homes, uh, you mentioned earlier about TV and it's around the corner, and it, it literally is around the corner. There will be announcements at the CES Consumer Electronic Show uh, in Vegas, um, January seventh through the tenth, I believe, um, and they'll probably be available for people to start purchasing uh, in the spring. So once there's there's uh, a number of TVs out there, maybe to where you have the same sort of numbers that you did at the beginning of HD, Uh, I think there's going to be more motivation for TV episodes to do that. Um, So that's one thing. Uh, In terms of the talent, I think part of it is, um, and and I'm working with a number of people who feel the same way, part of it is making uh, 3D rigs and the 3D production and post-production process, uh, one in which, you know, the intelligence is is built into the equipment. Uh you have support people that you're going to have that are additional, but the idea is to to bring the people from uh that are in the community already in into into the game basically and to help them to do it. I think one of the things that I've been working with is uh stereoscopic 3D uh storyboarding, prevising, and I think that gives a, a nice safe uh inexpensive environment for the creative people in a production whether it be a tv show or a feature film to kind of experiment and look at things and play around with things without there being the, the financial impact of that happening while they're shooting. So I think that's part of it. I think um, <clears throat> post-avatar if you will uh, as, as the the need and, and the interest increases I think you'll have the larger companies the more experienced 3D companies uh, providing uh, seminars and uh, you know informative uh, Events to bring in people from the community to be able to do that,
1: what about yourself, George, in the television world, what is the take up of three d there?
3: Um, I think there's a there's a lot of interest uh, but like you said it I, I think it's a, a little ways off for getting into episodic um, The rigs are there um, I was you know technicolor, a band pro and I think Element Technica has uh, rigs to fit any cameras that you have, from Reds to uh, F900s, etc. So, uh, when the technology is there for acquiring it. It's um, in getting the televisions out and, and making it work. I did see something on YouTube where uh, uh, this this guy it, it did something with the Wii game and it inverted it. They said, and uh, it was pretty amazing i i I was watching it on a computer screen, which could have been my television and uh it's pretty effective but again i and i was I was watching that without glasses and it was this maybe somebody can explain how they did that, but it was projecting out and it seemed very simple what what uh, what he was doing but uh i uh, a lot of the technology I feel is there um, and it's just uh i guess who's going to pay for it and People buying the televisions to uh, make it happen there's
4: another point of distribution which were we haven't mentioned yet which is uh, in theaters because uh, satellite television can be, be beamed into motion picture theaters that have digital capability and you can watch digital TV on a movie screen so to speak so you can have that experience of seeing a live event at a movie theater I think we're going to see part of that happening uh, probably about the same time as far as TVs getting into homes, because those venues are are already there.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I suppose that this raises the question for all of us. How are we going to keep pace with all this technology?
5: I guess we keep buying new TVs. That's what Jim is saying, right? There's going to be another new TV coming out. So it's basically replacing our, our old gear with the new gear. The, it's, who's got the new toys, Right. Well, oh, it's got to
2: be—it's got to be motivating. Luckily, that uh, or, or uh, for for 3D, there wasn't a lot of purchasing this this year on most people's part. So hopefully, uh, they'll hold off a little bit longer and get t- TVs that are already 3D enabled, and that'll be out there as a as a market for all of us. I think, as was just mentioned, the the ability to uh, uh, shoot 3D, uh, have live events that actually go into um, into theaters. There's about, I believe, at last count, about 150 uh, theaters that are equipped with that. But it's uh, it's just a sort of a chicken and egg thing at this point. Once people have the interest, which I think is going to be much more realized as Avatar keeps rolling out in 3D and and seeing it in theaters, I think um, events will be set up. And once the events will be set up, then the, the theater owners will see an opportunity for uh, profit, and they they will dive into that. As well, right. I, uh, maybe
1: I I think that I think that my question was more geared towards uh, the implications for you guys as professionals in the field. Uh, how do you, you know, George, Jim? How do you keep up to pace with all this technology being thrown at you? Uh, where you are at the moment, probably in R and D for the much of the, much of the time in production. How, how do you keep up with that?
3: Um, well, just last week, like I said. Uh, there's all sorts of, uh, symposiums, workshops, uh, on 3D, on, uh, uh, I'm a member of the ASC and, uh, our manufacturers come and tout and show their, their latest. But last year I was seeing all sorts of demonstrations on, uh, on 3D. And, uh, again, Band Pro had a host of companies and a, a lot of it was geared towards, uh, uh, 3D um, so you, know, you just this is the information age there's so much out there you just you know, i guess pick and choose what you go to but it's in in my emails every week i, I get notices about things um to come and uh be a part of you know, the workshops and seminars so it's out there you just i guess just find the time to uh keep up with it
2: I, you know, that's I, I come from, a, unlike some of the other people on the panel, I come from a technology background, so I'm used to that game. Um, I guess my challenge and one of the reasons why I um, was excited to be on this program is uh, part of my responsibility is to help inform other people and to kind of help them to keep up kind of being potentially their cliff notes in some of these areas.
1: What is that? Re- what is that responsibility, actually, Jim? Um, if we're moving into a world where uh, our audience are not just spectators but also contributors, um, what do you feel is your responsibility in that? Uh, because surely we're we're moving into a world where anybody can can contribute uh, to to elevate their place in the world. What what do you feel that you can do as a working professional?
2: Well, what I I try to do is, you know, uh, be as open as possible with general information that's out there and try to make sure that uh, people uh, get at least part of it. And, you know, as as was mentioned, we can go to the Internet and hopefully get any more details that we want Um, on projects that I'm involved with. I try to um, make sure that people have uh, all the information they need and bring them make sure everyone is into the, in the creative process as much as they would be in a, in a 2D uh, production and to just, you know, create the same atmosphere so that people can contribute and, and um, are able to exercise their skills and talents uh, in the same way in, in a 3D production as they do in a 2D production.
4: I think what might be good here is to, for somebody, maybe Jim, you want to do this or find someone in your organization, to start a blog site where people, you can basically post uh, some of the things that you're working on, things that come up, changes that are happening in the industry, and use the power of the internet and social community so people can ask questions and respond, and you'll you'll probably find some interesting uh, responses uh, from everyone out there in the world, because I'm sure that as people learn about 3D that's coming to their homes, coming to their theaters, as we see with Avatar, uh, people are going to get interested. I mean, they're definitely going to be looking for information. So uh, that might be a good way to go, Some, you know, something that can be done and uh, start to maybe uh, build a 3D community website or something like that. Just
5: a thought. I think, I think it's definitely becoming less of a gimmick and more of a, of a way to tell your story. I mean before Well, I think that's what
2: Avatar has shown. I mean it, it, the the ability to do that has been there from the beginning. Uh what has motivated a number of people as often does is uh a uh, higher box office and so it's oftentimes uh something they make a decisions they make uh, toward the end of pre-production so there's not as much time given to it um and it's not as central to it. So you end up having what uh is I think inaccurately uh, referred to as 3D moments, where things come off the screen at you. So um, mm-hmm. what uh, uh, Jim Cameron did is he basically knew w- how it could help tell a story, and he used it for that throughout uh, his movie. And so I think it's our, our first live example uh, of something where you don't say, I went to see a 3D movie. You went to say, I saw a great movie, and oh, by the way, it was in 3D.
1: Well, may I make, uh, I'm going to be the devil's advocate for one minute. Maybe this is a question for you, George, as a cinema photographer. Are there any downsides to 3D? I, obviously, uh, the all-important part of any feature is its story structure. Is there possibly a downside that 3D can be used to uh, prop up uh weak story structure or, or weak visualization uh, a, a weak lyrical flow
3: yes i i think uh that would be one of the first questions is to uh, define uh sort of what 3d is i heard that uh, cameron's process was more was immersive versus like a final destination or uh in my buddy valentine's which is probably more for shock value and uh a lot of people like the shock value um, of what 3D can do and maybe uh, you know that's required but yeah I agree I, I, I think it all starts with the storytelling and uh, uh, it can definitely be abused but um, I think the earlier some of the earlier 3D is, is more again for for shock and coming out of the screen as far as you can make it. I'm very. Maybe someone on the panel can can explain exactly what Cameron did versus more of a horror movie, which is probably a complete opposite.
1: Well, perhaps that might be a response for you, Jim.
3: Well, yeah. Let me speak to that a little bit. Um,
2: one of the reasons why The Final Destination and the and uh, My Bloody Valentine 3D um, used it as a gimmick to shock people is because they were horror pictures, <laughs> and so that's kind of one of the things that they do that's one of their goals in those types of pictures is to do that to the audience and so they look they look for something in 3d quickly that could do that and, and they found something um that's not that wasn't the goal of avatar It uh, was to introduce and bring people in and immerse them into a new world and he used it. He understood his tool, uh, and he used his tool to help tell his story. And as I mentioned before, I think he's probably, from what most people have seen, the first one to do that in the in that way. And so, as you bring it to different genres, and as the people uh, directors specifically, but other people as well uh, are aware of what they can do and they relate it to the story that they want to tell, and use it to enhance that story, uh, I think it will become clearer to all of us um, how it can be used to help tell the story but not to dominate the story or, God forbid, replace there being a story.
1: Well, going back to you, George, for one minute, uh, where do you see the applications now for 2D. It, it, we're seeing that 3D potentially can become the standard uh, delivery of media in the future. Uh, is 2D uh, and Randall and I were talking about this recently, is 2D going to become simply a nostalgic uh, stage?
3: Um, I think not for a while. I, th- I think it's good, uh, 2D will be with us. Um, I think it'll start Again, maybe in sports, where the Nielsen ratings, the biggest programming, the biggest programs, the highest ratings have been, you know, Sunday night football, etc. Uh, the, uh, the other shows have gotten you know, less and less share in television. So, I think, uh, what will drive 3D in television will be live events, sporting events, and, uh, I don't know how I would see uh, a regular uh, episode of, let um, say, according to Jim, in general, in three D. I I'd, would probably be, uh, you know, studying more of the way Cameron did it to give more. That, that was always my fight, actually, photographing uh, the main sets, being uh, very flat and, and uh, not as dimensional as I. Would like it so uh, I could see 3D really helping with my lighting and with uh, the photography and with uh, depth of field making it uh, again more immersive or and uh, more interesting for me because um, I have uh, basically four angles to uh, cover and and uh, invariably one angle or two angles will suffer not having enough fill light not uh, not uh, you know, being bright enough, et cetera. So I could see, uh, 3D enhancing my cinematography immensely. And, uh, uh, specifically the multi-camera, actually, because single camera, the CSIs, the more dramatic shows can get more dimensional with their lighting. Uh, and, uh, I could, could use this as a, as a big help. This just came to me now. I, uh, but, uh, I would look forward to, uh, Uh, having, trying it out on my next project.
4: In the, uh, using Avatar as an example, uh, I think as you mentioned, George, the potential for live television or just, you know, pre-recorded television that's 3D is uh, incredibly enormous because when you're in the immersive experiences like what we saw in Avatar, the rooms that people were moving around with in, in the film, like a laboratory and so forth, it feels as if you're actually standing with them in the scene. That's what the immersive experience is for those who haven't seen Avatar yet. And the wow. camera moves around, and you're looking at things, and it's as if you're walking behind them and in front of them. And so, it's, if you shot something like, you know, a living room set or something, for according to Jim, people would actually feel like they're actually in the living room watching everyone act and do their lines. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's a whole different uh, experience, and I think people are really going to like that because it enhances um, the experience of the viewer to a a great degree.
3: That's exciting. That's very exciting. Um, It's going to be much like uh,
2: seeing a live theater, a play, only you'll be up on stage, and the uh, people like George will be deciding where you are and where you should be and where is the best place for you to be to... um,
3: to understand and and to be part of that story. Like I said, pretty much we've moved from film. Uh, I don't think, there's maybe one show that still photographs on film, but we've definitely moved into digital high definition, so it probably really lends itself.
1: This may change uh, the methodology for choreographers, uh, set designers, Uh, so many things can shift with this.
2: Um, yeah, uh, I I think uh, the set designers uh, are going to be uh, a major uh, proponent and uh, going to be probably even more important, especially as as three D comes to new areas, to new genres, to to TV, um, because that's you know what makes the three D or, or what we refer to as depth cues, you know, and uh, that's just not something that it's there in in two D to some extent to help us figure out how in our mind to translate the 2D image into somewhat of a 3D image in our mind to figure out what's where, but uh, they become alive basically in 3D and so it's important where things are placed, how they are placed, um, especially as you have a, a smaller set like a living room for instance.
1: Aster, huh. Aster uh, and sorry to interrupt, Jim, but it just uh, came to me, Aster, uh, for your thoughts, your inspiration. H- has anything come to mind in the way that you could change your style as a still photographer? C- how, how could you become immersive like that for the audience?
5: Well, I think that you have to start thinking more about depth. You have to start thinking about foreground. You have to start thinking about ways to to. Bring the viewer into your image, and if there's if there's no foreground to your photograph, then I, I think the 3D image won't be quite as exciting. Um, I think that that's one of the one of the aspects of 3D is actually having a foreground and having you bringing your eyes into the background, into where the subject might be. So I think that um, images could change in a way. I don't want to say um, that they're not as clean, but yeah, they're maybe they're not as clean that there is. A tree in the foreground, or or a branch coming in from overhead, or or some kind of way to to add much more to add depth to your photograph.
1: Well, I suppose, if you gentlemen, whether you're still photographers or cinema photographers, uh, what are the implications on the 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 old notions of of, of form, uh, composition? You know, the third two thirds rule, and uh, will these all be forever changed? I guess that's a question for you, George and, uh, and Jim. Will those be changed? Will you have to look at those traditional uh, um, uh, methods uh, differently now?
3: I, I think uh, they will still, they still hold. Uh, I think mean, good photography does deal with depth, <laughs> foreground, uh, light to shadow. Uh, I love the one-third, two-thirds eye. uh In my realm, it, it seems like those would still hold.
2: Yeah, I I don't think that uh, 3D will uh, flip anything upside down. I think it's going to be, as I mentioned, it's going to be a a way to help tell stories. It's going to be an additive supplemental process in which certain things, uh, as I mentioned, set design uh, and and some other things become a little bit more important, especially at first when people aren't used to it. Um, One of the things that... uh, happened uh during my bloody valentine um it, and the first week or so is as, as different department heads were brought in and and kind of to look at the 3d and um even during i think uh, during a camera test uh wardrobe and uh and makeup were brought in and, and some of the things that they were used to quote unquote getting away with in 2d uh they needed to to work a little harder uh in 3d to make sure that uh the illusion was still there of whatever they were creating, and so I, I think uh, everyone is going to be have to to relook at the thing some of the some of the devices that they 've used um, in 2D and see if make sure they still work in 3d but as George mentioned the the skill and the talent that 's out there today uh, will will not be thrown away it will be applied to uh, 3d and a lot of it. Uh, still works and still fits and it's just going to be some some supplemental additive
3: uh, considerations. Yeah, it seems like 3D will apply a little bit more to say production design and maybe cinematography where I remember when HD was first coming in it was the makeup people that uh, had had the chores to to deal with that. I don't know if that will be the same for makeup and 3D. Maybe not. There'll be some but like I said I think in terms of
2: in ter- terms of the people that have to make uh, different assessments, I think the, the 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 production, the the art direction and, and production design seems to come to mind uh, right. a little bit more than more than anyone else. Yeah,
4: I think that uh, also the audience's experience of being within a scene uh, will be considered by production designers. For example, if you had a scene. Uh, in a film that was dramatic and it was shot in snow imagine being in an immersive 3D experience and you're actually seeing the snow in front of you in the theater hanging over the audience's head and it's mm-hmm. snowing it looks like it's snowing on the audience so I think that production designers will start to think in that uh, in that way because it brings the audience into the story they feel they're part of it they're experiencing it with the characters and I think that's one thing we'll we'll start to, I think, see evolve in terms of production design, art direction, and that affects also story. It also affects how we feel about the characters in the scene. So all of that's going to come together in, in I think, ways that we can't even imagine right now. And also, for special effects and CGI, I think it's going to change where the camera perspective is when you're doing a CGI shot, how it's moving through the scene, how the the characters move in terms of the, the holographic Sort of four D space, where you're seeing the three D and you're actually within it. So I think all that's going to we're going to see an evolvement and shifting of that in uh, in the coming years.
3: Now, is this a different name uh, word for virtual reality, which was big a few years ago in, in the gaming industry? Well, is I don't, that even more is that even more immersive?
4: Well, uh, it is. I've seen virtual reality. I've played some virtual reality games. But the experience in seeing it, you know, in through glasses in front of you, and seeing it on a screen with space in front of you, with people in front of you in an audience, or at home where you're sitting in a room, that's different. It's not. It's not sort of impacting in your brain. I think it's more of the experiential part that people are really going to enjoy. And after seeing Avatar, I mean, some scenes and looking at CGI in that movie, I was just elated because I was thinking. How did he do that? <laughs> how, how did he get that angle? How did that effect happen? And so, Cameron's already thinking in the ways I just mentioned.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think in in some respects, in some areas, uh, less is going to be more. Um, you, some of the things that were needed um, and, and were effective in two D, um, fast cuts, things like that. You don't. You can't you have to be careful how you do them in 3d it can be done some people are saying it can't be it can be done but you're not necessarily going to need that to get the same effect and Hmm. uh some of the things that you know in in the horror genre that are uh being done to keep people's attention they're not going to necessarily need to go to that extent in 3d not saying they will uh anyway but uh it's not necessarily needed i think that uh one of the things about 3d is it's uh more comfortable and almost uh more entertaining and and bring it brings you in um to the story more to stay sometimes stay Mm
3: -hmm. with that scene a little longer would you say any film could be retrofitted to 3d like a citizen kane or gone with the wind well, there's
2: there's 2D to 3D conversion processes that are getting better and better every day. And and those can be done, and people have to make those decisions much like people are making the decisions um, from black and white to color. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I th- I personally think the less that's done, uh, the better in terms of going back too far. Um, oh, leave, leave classics to be classics is, is uh, I think, uh, the same for color... Uh, black and white to color as it is for 2D to 3D, uh, but that can be done, and you know, Alice in Wonderland is going to come out uh, in March, it was uh, a 2D to 3D conversion, so it's, especially at the beginning as people start to discover 3D, uh, the differentiation uh, between a 2D to 3D conversion and an originally shot uh, 3D is, is not going to be as apparent, and, and both of them probably will be enjoyable to the audience
1: well of course if you're um historically inclined uh, perhaps you could say that the 3d technology now is a uh, analytical uh, translation of hitchcock's method of of his immersion would 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 that be a fair comment that, uh, because that's what hitchcock was trying to do mm-hmm. except that we're, just, d- we're, we're doing it in a 3d plane now
3: I think Citizen King was pretty three dimensional on its own. <laughs> its just photography. So what would... Yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard to say
2: how you know some of the people uh, who who made those movies would have made them different had three D been one of the tools that they they could use and were, and uh, could, could use you know easy, more easily um, and what they would have done with it. I guess, which is which is which would be my concern, uh, the same, you know, if you go from black and white to color, someone has to make those decisions as to what the colors would be. Um, there's even more decisions in terms of 3D, in terms of how it is converted from 2D to 3D. And while, you know, there are a num- number of features uh, that will come out this next year that were shot in 2D and were converted to 3D in post, uh, at least the creative people that were part of that feature were
5: involved in that process. Well, I that... think that as visual artists, I'm sorry, I think that as visual artists, I mean, even going back to uh, to Rembrandt, we've you know the, we've always tried to to show things as real life or or as as bigger than, than they are on the on a painting. I mean, Rembrandt used a, the chiaroscuro, and and his oil paints were so thick that the images. Are almost 3d i mean they do come off of the canvas and mm. that's something that he was attempting as as well as you're saying you know hitchcock was attempting and and now the tools are are here that that people can really do this now whereas before it was you know through the cinematography or through the lighting you know going you know the through the shadows and the details to the to the thickness of the oil painting
3: mm-hmm. is, is cameron's uh technique uh proprietary to him or is it is it public uh, what do well, use? it's not. It wasn't.
2: I don't. I personally don't. I mean, there was a lot of new and unique and uh, awesome technology created to make Avatar, but the way in which he told the story in a 3D space is, is available to everyone. You know, in terms of how can they use a 3D space, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, you know, I think people that. Uh, prepare and people that enlist the, the right um, group of people to help them make their feature um, will we'll be able to do similar things in terms of the 3D aspect of the story. Um, and, you know, I I just... I think that uh, uh, it it, wa- it wasn't something you added later. I think Avatar is the first in my mind the first 3D feature where 3D isn't something that was thought of or added later Uh, it was from the original conception conceived in 3D planned in in 3D and and created, developed uh, and fostered in a 3D
1: space
3: and $310 million will
1: be forgotten very soon. <laughs> uh, okay, and, and that has just introduced my segue for the one of the final questions for the sake of our audience. How, gentlemen, can we assure that our audience that they are going to be able to still watch uh, these wonderful epics and, and not see uh, prices increasing for them to be able to, uh, to continue visiting the theater?
3: I think the top money... Um, will be <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I, I hopefully... Uh, the only unfortunate uh, inappropriate analogy that that w- might be used here is that if you spend a lot of money, you shoot good 3D. I don't think that's true. Um, but uh, as much as people may or may not have liked uh, Final Destination, the Final Destination and My Blade Valentine 3D, um, they were... Uh, minimal investment for a large return. I think mean, My Bloody Valentine was, uh, the estimated budget was around 15 million and, uh, brought in, I, I think last time I checked around 75 million. Um and I th- I'm not sure that they've announced the final destination, but the other, um, features were around 30 to 40 million dollars. I don't think, uh, it was much higher than that and uh it brought in i think it may be up to 200 or 1 175 uh worldwide so you know i think uh it can be made i don't i don't think the the extra money helped him to uh do the 3d uh potentially any better uh, i think it was his uh talent and skill and his vision that allowed the 3d to be what it is the 3D aspect of it specifically.
1: Right. Well, I'd, l- I'd just like to follow with that uh, that point. Uh, do you think that maybe we're just being a bit over-optimistic here as to the way that the, the 3D will be taken up uh, in filmmaking? Uh, we're, we're, we're all talking of this as if it's just going to wipe out the world of 2D, but uh, wh- what do you gentlemen think about the speed of that take-up? Hmm.
2: Well, I'm hopeful that it's true, but uh, being a realist, uh, you know, it's just like uh, you had the digital revolution, which came about, whatever, five, six years ago, supposedly. Uh, Film is far from dead. Many people are shooting with film. I think uh, people want to adopt uh, new technologies and want to try new things, but they also want to continue to be successful in what they've done in the past uh, creatively. So it, it will be... Um, it, it will be an adoption process and uh, it will be uh, over time and uh, the thing that Avatar does is it it potentially speeds up that process and I think what it does is it allows people who had creative objections to using 3D uh, to be able to kind of reassess that thinking.
1: And in our last couple of minutes, George, what is your viewpoint followed by Asta, please?
3: My viewpoint on, on what? Sorry. Uh,
1: how, how quickly this 3D will be taken up by the industry?
3: Yeah, I think, um, like right now, uh, I have a friend that's going to be doing a, a $2 million movie, and it's going to be done in 3D. Uh, they've prepped it. It's a, this web camera's, uh, what is it, Element Technica, or Technic Element has the rig. Um, I think all that's going to be easier and easier. They're figuring out how to put it on a steady cam. Etc. So for me, the tools are there, and it's getting better and better. I remember when when 65 millimeter was was trying to make a comeback, and uh, what was the Tom Cruise movie? They uh, I think that set it back or killed it. But uh, I think this is here to stay. But I I think it's going to be a, a slower process uh, to get out there. The storytelling maybe a lot of it a lot of it doesn't need 3D. Um, uh, You know, unless they go to the care and the length of time that Cameron did. I mean, I think it's going to get easier and easier, but I think it's also going to be a a slower rollout as far as live action, uh, besides being the horror movies, et cetera. But let's see what Avatar does. Television, uh, I may even see that coming quicker and sooner. Uh, It might just move ahead of movies with... um, If these televisions come out and they come down in price and they advertise event programming, Uh, there's so many, again, sports and live, so many people out there that will jump on that maybe the revolution will, will happen sooner.
1: And quicker on television And Asta, in our final seconds and sorry to interrupt you uh, George we're running out of time here Aster uh, you're probably already tapping on your keyboard on eBay <laughs> and selling your camera now to move into filmmaking <laughs> Final seconds what is your view on that?
5: I think that as, as the technologies advance they'll of course become more and more affordable and uh, I think that, that people will be shooting their kids birthday parties and, and then probably in the next decade on some type of, of consumer digital video camera
1: and Randall your thoughts
4: well I think the audience is going to dictate how fast the change happens in Hollywood Hollywood uh, historically has been very slow to move like when sound came in and when television so if the audience demands it that's where the pace of change is going to become
1: accelerated well, excellent. Well, gentlemen, what are you all doing this Christmas? Come on, tell me. Where Where are you going now? I know George that you are sitting in a park somewhere. That's
3: um, Yeah, I'm on a baseball diamond right now. <laughs>
1: and uh, what about you, Asta? What are you doing for the rest of uh, rest of your day and Christmas?
5: Well, as soon as I'm done with you, I'm I'm going down to Santa Monica to the fish market because we uh, we have a, a tradition in our home the Festa dei Sette Pesci, which is the Feast of the Seven Fishes, which is a Southern Italian. Uh, an Italian-American tradition where um, we make dishes with with seven different seven different types of fish and more: um, smelts, uh, squid, octopus, uh, shrimp, mm-hmm. and mussels are are some of the common things that we that we usually cook on Christmas Eve. I'm
3: coming so, yeah. over, after.
5: Yeah,
4: I'm going to have to. Okay. Yeah. We're going to drive back to your house.
1: Okay, <laughs> so Send an it, email so with your
5: address. It's just like you know, five hours of eating. Basically, it's uh, it's wow. it's basically the. It's an Italian tradition where you're basically waiting for the birth of Christ. It's, it's So you're eating, eating until midnight.
1: Well, it would take us about five hours to get there, so we'll, we'll okay. get the uh, the bits at the end. And what about you, Jim?
2: I'm going to be cliche and say uh, I'm going to work on getting out to see uh, Avatar in 3D again. Oh, there you <laughs> go.
4: <laughs> That's where I'll be.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, gentlemen, thank you very much for being with us today. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. to Morgan, George Meridian, Jim... And Randall, thank you for being with us today.
4: Thank you. Thank you.
1: And to our listeners today, we hope you enjoyed our first roundtable program, and we'll look forward to seeing you again, meanwhile, wherever you are in this world. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. David Gibbons in discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org.